Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RemCAD podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm Rob Flattery, and Chris Johnson is here with me. Chris is a video editor for Major League Baseball and a DIY artist with an affinity for toys. His work reflects his aversion to adulthood and creates spaces of comfort and happiness. Chris Johnson, thank you for being here today. Hello. Or tonight. I guess it's nighttime there. You're, it's like midnight. Oh, it's, it's always nighttime. So, Chris, we've been friends for many, many years. Yep. Um, we met in undergrad. Yep. Both of us kind of did a pre-undergrad somewhere else. It didn't really work out for both of us. And then we ended up going to Austin Peay State University in good yes. old Clarksville, Tennessee, and that's how yes. we met. You, on the other hand, have always said students should try harder in college. But Only based. But not necessarily in the classroom. What, what is your thoughts on that? Oh, I think my initial thought was that I didn't try hard enough in college, you know, uh, and in high school for that matter, probably going back to like, you know, you know, kindergarten or whatever, but uh, who tries hard in kindergarten? Really? You should try harder. You should try harder because one, it's not very hard. Like, you know, it's already not very hard, but you should just try harder. And I guess what we kind of settled on was that you should try harder to find the part of college that you like, you know, yeah, and, uh, like exploit that part to um, get your education, you know, like kind of meet them halfway with doing the education, you know. Yeah, you know, I always say that you learn one-third from the classroom, one-third from your friends or your peers, and then one-third from yourself, like inner reflection. That's how the college life should operate. Where do you think you fell in that balance? Oh, I don't think I balanced it very well. I think I was probably learning half from my friends and peers, and then another good half from like those you always have like those three or four like really good professors and so shout them out shout them out oh man you put me on the spot oh you know uh, i uh we've talked about this before but our mutual friend greg schlanger he, he doesn't know me probably from adam still but um he knows he always found like him inspirational in like he was an art teacher and he was a nice hands-on guy and he like taught me how that you should just do a thing, you know, like just make an effort at it or whatever. I don't even know if he was trying to impart that. I don't know. But I had, he was a good one. And I had another professor named John Mosley who was uh, an incredible guy in the communications. I always think it's interesting that not a lot of people we went to school with, I don't think, are working in the field. That's probably just school in general, possibly. You know, you're not working in the field. It's not easy to get a job in your field, you know. I, I think that happens a lot with um... – kind of state schools for me you know just like you've got to go to college go to the local college go to this that was the liberal arts college too in tennessee yeah and find your major just figure out find a major and then go do it and then like i was jumping around a lot and just was a little bit unfocused you know so i would have done probably i would have probably done well with like another three years of like that same (laughs) level of college like you know uh not become a doctor, but just be like a little bit of a smarter college student. You know, that probably—that's just me. But uh, I'm—I'm not the best student, you know, of like in the 
student sense, you know. You were a communications major. What yeah. is a communications major? Because that seems to be the weirdest thing in the entire world. I loved, it was like a blanket term as far as I knew. I'm not, I couldn't even exactly tell you, but I got to work in the theater, which I surprisingly enjoyed quite a bit. And um, we got to like mess around with like video cameras. And since nobody really knew how to use that stuff, you know, we really got to uh, experiment a lot with that. So my communica communication is a pretty broad term, isn't it? Yeah. Not, yeah. So that's, that's my big problem with the, the word communications. So, you know, I was a mass communications major when I first went to school. Yeah. And it kind of ran the, ga the gamut. I, you know, I wanted to do radio, TV, something like that, film. And then I was I somehow got put into like a PR class. I'm like, whoa, no, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of more technical to it. Yeah, like sports broadcasting is communications. So I also enjoyed, you know, quite a bit. Like I enjoyed the college sports broadcasting quite a bit. Always behind the camera, of course. But like the, uh, I guess like communications can either be like more serious or more like entertainment. Not that entertainment isn't serious, but right. Uh, more like educational or like kind of hands-on entertainment. Like, you know what I love the most? And this is the thing I fantasize about the most is like, I used to be on the radio there a little bit and I didn't take advantage of that fully. I don't think, you know, and uh, it's kind of like poetic, but you know, when it wasn't really like that, you know, uh, like uh, Christian Slater or whatever, you know, what is that? What, pump, what, what, pump up the volume. Volume. Uh, for anybody listening, pump up the volume is a wonderful film from the eighties starring Christian Slater. where We ran a private or a pirate radio station. You can't find it on streaming, but if you go to YouTube and type in pump up the volume full movie, you can find it because I've watched it there. Not to go further aside, but there's another movie you should watch from Christian Slater. It's called Cuffs. Do you know this movie? It's one of, the of the time, but like, I love that movie. A young Mila Jovovich is in it. Uh -huh. He's also on Gleaming the Cube. So yeah, yeah. let's just agree that this podcast is about Christian Slater and he's great. I Christian Slater, what's the, the newer show that he's in? Mr. Robot. I don't know. I just know he was in Cuffs, and he was in the second um, uh, what, that Wild West movie with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. I don't know about that, but he was in Broken Arrow. Sure, yeah, we can run down his whole filmography. I've got the internet right in front of me. Hard Rain. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a, but two that of one my... Where he had monkey Heart? He had a monkey heart. <laughs> one where he had like a he was getting a heart, and I think he had like an ape heart. I think you're making that up, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna oh, say yes. Heart. That's a great <laughs> ape heart. Yeah, yeah, it was romantic. It was. Uh, it was a good movie. Anyway, um, so yeah, we met in college. I, you know, we've been friends for many, many years at this point because that's and we made a lot of work together. I feel like, or at least side by side. Like in school, we were doing a lot more output. I feel like maybe about the same. I don't know. It seemed like a lot more. Oh, um, yeah. We were always working You know, you didn't something. have any job or anything like that. You know, like a lot of things didn't work. So it was. it's actually hard to, like, kind of spin up the wherewithal to do that, you know, um, with all the other responsibilities. But, man, it's, it's super important. I, I mean, I don't think we ever slept. No, there wasn't that much sleeping. And I think that was the important part. We just kind of worked like, all the time. And they gave you like free reign, you know, like college, you can get like kind of free reign to 
just do stuff at all hours. It didn't ever seem like there was very many restrictions, so that was nice, you know. Uh, I remember uh, they would close the campus and we kind of sneak back in, but you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, you know, like I think they kind of expect that on some level too. I, I was never like a destructive human being, so I'm not like you know, uh, even putting up stickers or anything, you know, like anything that was like remotely. I was pretty, pretty like um, tame, you know, not super wild. Do you remember crawling to the roof in the in the theater? Yeah, that uh, you went went up like a big ladder into like a hatch. Well, it was like a ladder, and then you had to jump over to a platform, and then go up another ladder into the hatch. It was like pitfall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and both of us, I think, were scared of heights. Oh yeah, terrified of heights. By the way, and uh, both of us did it, and then just didn't want to go down because you had to go back. You had to go only... back. Yeah. Let's take the easy way. <laughs> just jump. <laughs> that was it. Didn't work out. So we've been friends. You moved to New York, um, what, like 12 years ago, 13 years ago? That was in 2007. I moved to New York City to work for baseball. And then uh, that's what I've done ever since. But although I don't live in New York City anymore, I live uh, on the shore in New Jersey. But yeah, I moved to New York to do that. And I got to do that. Yeah. And the weirdest thing is you're the biggest baseball fan I've ever met. Yeah, big. Definitely big. And and most people seem to think that art and sports don't necessarily go together, but you would argue that, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think I would ha be obligated <laughs> be obligated to argue that, yes. But I mean, I try to bring it in. You know, you try to bring it into. I guess maybe it's like a narcissistic thing, but like I love baseball so much, and I would like to be a part of it. You know, so and have you know me be a part of it, even in some small way. It's like pretty fulfilling. I mean, you're not just like wildly openly creative as you might be as like a studio artist or something, but you maybe it's harder. You find ways to like make it work and enjoy it on an artistic level and you're not just a drone. So that's all worked out like smashingly, you know, for me, I feel like. Yeah. So what do you do at MLB? I'm uh, just a video editor. I learned how to edit. Like I didn't really know much about it in school. We were just doing it early. You know, we were we just didn't know much about it and then um i learned how to edit kind of on the fly and then so i edit a lot for them you know started out with like highlights and nightly you know watch every game see every game and then there's a lot of video coming out of there and content social media everything so i've had my hand in like a lot of stuff okay yeah, you've been there like 60 years or whatever it's like it seems like a long time but yeah it's a long time yeah you're originally at mlb.com and now you're at yeah, yeah, the they, they kind of know more of that. They kind of made a dot uh, com and the network, you know, uh, were more separate before. And now, you know, just like all kinds of whatever corporate machinations going on. But uh, now I work at the network, MLB Network. So, and it's totally awesome. Although I'm working from home now, of course. So, still yeah, making. How, how's the working from home going? Quarantine yeah. lifestyle. And I got to say, it suits me pretty well in general. Staying home suits me well. It always has, no matter what job, I guess. But uh, this job suits well for that, too, because, you know, editing over VPN or whatever. And uh, uh, there's not – it's just like learning new systems or whatever, you know. But it's worked out pretty well. And, like, man, baseball is so – not to be so rah-rah, but it's like really rolling with the punches in a way. It's such a weird – this is such a weird thing, you know. It's so weird. Yeah. Very so weird. what? So what's the deal with baseball? What? It's coming back, like 
soon. Yeah, baseball is like eminent and like you have to be like cautiously optimistic, but and they're going through a lot of effort to play the game. So it looks like it's happening with opening days, uh, 23rd and 24th of July, you know, so baseball games right. being played. And no fans. No fans in the stands. And, you know, there have been some like rumblings about what could happen later in the season. I mean, who knows, of course, but yeah, no fans. But there is always, you know, a lot. It's like a heavy TV audience, obviously, but it's right. like, no fans, yeah. So what are they doing in, in – was it Korea they're playing baseball already? Oh, Japanese baseball and Korean baseball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the fans in San Diego are playing with, like, crazy stuff, stuffed animals all in the seats. I think I read that somebody – maybe the A's, the Oakland A's, sold for charity. Like, you can put your – I guess it seems like a big cutout of yourself, which is cool in itself. You know, you can put awesome. that, that you get to – you pay to get to be there as a cutout or whatever. So that's like great. You know, they're pumping in crowd noise. It's kind of weird. The whole thing is so oh, are, are, are they, are they laugh tracking it? <laughs> they started to laugh track it a little bit. And it seems like I'm just, I mean, I'm Twitter obsessed with baseball, I guess. So you hear everything about the players, but you know, it's probably pretty strange. They seem to think it's like kind of strange, surreal. It's gotta just be weird. You know, everything's weird. But man, they're playing the game though. It's good. You know, if you look at Twitter, baseball clips are coming up. They're new. It's fantastic. Yeah. Any, uh, any major players holding out? Or are they just like, yeah, no? Out, but, you know, there's a few that have opted out for, like, only insanely – I mean, you know, insanely good reasons or whatever. So, yeah, a few players have opted out, which is, like, another just weird wrinkle into the season, you know, very strange. And it's, what, 80 games? 60 games, I think. Then you got oh, the post. 60? Okay. Yeah. It's normally 160? Two, yeah. 81, 81. Yeah, 162. So are they are they moving the conferences around? Or is conference the right leagues? Excuse me, I guess leagues. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, since you have a shortened schedule, you probably play more. Like you're going to play more in your division locally. Was what it looks like. So you're not, you know, you're not traveling across the country uh, as much. And they're traveling. That that's full on travel baseball. Like, I think that it's like try to reduce the travel, right? So you go to Philadelphia, and New York. Maybe you play more like in your division, you know, up and down the coast or something like that. But you're not like flying to Seattle and flying to Toronto and then flying to San Diego or whatever, like a week or something, which is like got to be insane. But it's all happening and I'm excited. I'm excited about it. No, I'm, I'm glad. And then you'll have uh, work to do instead of old editing old stuff. You can edit new stuff. Oh, man, it's such I enjoy. Yes. I enjoy it so much. Yes, it's good. Um, all right. Favorite baseball player all time. My favorite baseball player – we've been discussing this a lot. I guess it's a topic of conversation for everybody. But uh, Tony Gwynn is my favorite baseball player. Tony Gwynn. Remember right. Tony Gwynn? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, he, was, he was of our time, you know. All right. No, me, it's got to be Don Mattingly. Yeah, Don Mattingly. My, uh, my brother loves Don Mattingly, yes. Yeah, he played, he played for the Nashville Sounds, don't you know that, for uh, like half a season. And that's uh, – he's got his picture up there. Old, Good old, old hometown. Yep. They had like one picture of him in that uniform. It's great. Um, most underrated baseball player of all time. Oh, man. Who's the most underrated baseball player of all time? I don't know. It would have to be somebody who was like rated pretty highly. To me, somebody like maybe George Brett. You know, how do you feel? About it? <laughs> it's like you could be going back in like the way back. George Brett, Kansas City Royals, man. He built, the, he built that stadium. Or I would say 
the guy I love the most, uh, who nobody knows about, Skeeter Barnes. He played I for the Skeeter Barnes. You know, this guy played in the seventies and he played a little bit with the Tigers. You know, like did play in the major leagues. But this guy was a prolific AAA player. He was the best. And he, they would announce his name over the intercom. He was Skeeter Barnes. Pete Hartnish. Pete Harshnish. Do you know Pete Harshnish? Harnish. Pete Harnish. I like yeah. to call him Harshnish. Harshnish, yeah. He came up in some conversation recently, believe it or not. Every baseball player, no matter how long you played, we've been talking about you. <laughs> you know, like at some point, my, me and my workmates have talked about you between like Stratomatic or whatever. All right. Whose baseball career, if they didn't get hurt, would have been probably the greatest career of all time? I mean, of all time. Uh, well, Don Mattingly has a good case for that, right? He'd be in the Hall of Fame at least. He should be in the Hall of Fame regardless. Griffey Jr. would be even better. True. Yeah, he dealt with a lot of injuries. He'd be even better, the best player of all time. Bo Jackson, where do you, where do you sit on the Bo Jackson field? Oh, he's such an outlier. It's like, oh, I remember watching him play so much. I can remember like some of those early All-Star games, one where him and Wade Boggs let off the game with back-to-back home runs. Uh, Bo is the man. Yeah, I look at those highlights all the time. You can go look at them on YouTube. I watch, I watch those for like leisure, you know. He's like a that superhero. He throws the baseball super hard. Rushes, yeah. Runs up the wall, throws you out at home. He had that great poster with the – Black and blue. What was it? Um, it was, it was the, where he's got the baseball bat with the football pads on top of it. But it was like a Raiders Royals kind of thing. But yeah. Oh yeah, I love Bo Jackson. He's a nice man. And he he just likes to hunt. Yeah, I guess he he likes to hunt. He's a country guy, I think. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's why I always hated the Tampa Bay Bucks as far as football. So because they drafted him and made him ineligible for baseball so is that what happened in college yeah they they lied to him the story goes that they lied to him to get him to not play baseball so he didn't get hurt fly on the team plane that's what they lied to him they said oh no you went to college did you go to auburn yeah he went to auburn why do i know that why is that why is that in there you know who else went to auburn several lots of people probably charles bark Oh, Charles Barkley, really? Oh, I'm a big fan of his. If we can get Sir Charles in the conversation, I feel I feel good about it. Get him that. on the show. Let's get him up. Call him up. He's probably – what is he – I don't know if he's going to the bubble, the NBA bubble. So, yeah, basketball is, is about to start. About this, this is the beauty about this. Everybody has time for you. He can't yeah, tell you he yeah. doesn't have time for you. He's got time for you. Everybody has time for you. What else has he got to do? Yeah, that's with every single person. Nobody can give you an excuse. It's true. Actually, people give me excuses all the time. But that's another that's another podcast. That's the excuse podcast. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah um, so NBA is restarting basketball. They're doing everything at Disney World. Yeah. So, you bubble. know, the, the, calling it the bubble. One player from Sacramento, um, I guess the other day, went to get, like, Uber Eats delivery, walked outside of the bubble. And now is being quarantined. Now he, now he has or, ten days left. I did read that in my yeah. like Twitter, doom scrolling Twitter. That was like a nice piece of information that wasn't so doomish. But he, yes, I did read that. They're very serious. They're very serious about that. They're very serious. And then like half of the Denver Nuggets haven't made it there yet. I think four. Um, 
Jokic, I think, is in the United States now, but he hasn't made it to the bubble. So I don't know where – I thought everybody had to report the same day. I mean, the logistics alone are like madness. I can't even – the baseball one has to be crazy. I mean, who? it's just a crazy job to have to do. It, I, it, you know, with reopening the campus, we're – we're trying to make sure everything is is organized all you know we've got all the procedures in place we want people to social distance um you haven't actually been on our campus we may have driven through when you were in drove through it yeah yeah so you know it used to be a tuberculosis hospital in the early 1900s so let me tell you how big didn't, the didn't everything they, they <laughs> every pretty much my house, my house used to be one I assume everything was a, a tuberculosis yeah, yeah. hospital, but the rooms are not big. So, you know, normally we have 15 students in a class with social distancing in some of the classrooms like, oh, you can fit four people in there. Um, well, the whole social distancing is like kind of maddening in itself because like, I mean, um, I love it. You know, like I, <laughs> this is like, if it wasn't for like the disease part of it, the virus part of it, staying a little bit away from people is amazing you know like before this you would go to the grocery store and then somebody would just be sidling up to you close you know like unnecessarily you know so that it's put like a clamp on that so that's magnificent i mean it's you, amazing you enjoy it i mean i'm like really built for this and i feel a little bit guilty about it because it's hard to say i've enjoyed it you know but i have enjoyed it it's like worked out pretty well still working and being, you know, like a hermit, like your lifestyle has been like validated all of a sudden, you know, I'm just like, like the work that I make or whatever is like very conducive to this environment, right? You know, you've been like, preparing for this your whole life. Yeah, it's just like gathering materials to like <laughs> fill up your little house. And then like, I'm walking around, like puttering around, sticking things to things. And uh, it's, it's exactly what I've always wanted, you know, like here, it's I'm here spending more time with my family, you know, like, uh, that's all good, you know. I mean, it's trying to like, you know, you try to silver line it, don't you? Uh, definitely. So you've actually gone out to eat, though, right? You went out once. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've had, we've had takeaway a few times, and my wife works at a restaurant, so we've had it from there a little bit. But we, so she's gone out to eat a million times. Every time she goes to work, she's like around all the people going out to eat. But uh, yeah, we went out once. I was pretty nervous, and I did not enjoy it that much. Well, they say you have to be like six feet away, but the, I guess it's like the tables have to be six feet away. Seems so like it's the like the worst rule ever. But then if you think about like, if tables shouldn't even be closer than six feet in the best circumstance, you know, because you got, I need a couple feet, you know, like to sit down and like not be right on top of somebody. So it was pretty nerve wracking and it was outside. So it wasn't the worst, but I was like kind of itching to get out of there. So I don't know how, I don't know. It's, it's going to be hard to like return to a normalcy whenever you're already like kind of like a nervous, uh, you know, sort of neurotic kind of person, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we haven't gone out to eat obviously because my wife won't let me um, because of her yeah. job. Um, but I just don't, you know, we drive around, like if I take her to work or something and we see just people just congregated, I'm just like, this is not, if this virus is as bad as everybody's saying it is, which I assume it is from all the people that have died. We're not doing enough. Like it's Yeah, you can't really take that risk, right? You know, like you can't really take the risk. Are you like a fancy mask guy or are you like a regular medical mask? Um I mean I, I, I would can say, tell you I'm a, I'm I would a fancy say 
fancy mask, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about like uh not gold plated or anything. That's wide shut. Uh, <laughs> I would I would I would totally be in that. I no. tried to wear a Batman mask the first day and then I realized that it doesn't cover your face. You need the reverse Batman. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, we spent some time early on making masks and stuff like everybody had bread masks whatever else. Fancy mask here, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got a few. I expect you to send me some fancy mask. I would like oh, I can't, one. I can't. If you like, I only need an excuse. Like, you just make something over and over, and like, why do I have all these, you know? I sent some to my folks or whatever, some people. Um, yeah, why, why am I making all these masks? But uh, I was wondering if it would be cool, like, masks are cool, kind of, and, like, you could, you know, make a cool, you make a statement with them or something like that. I don't know. You know, some people do it. Yeah, people, you know, people are getting in there. I do have some of the, just like the disposable medical ones in my car, just in case, like in case I'm going in somewhere that I really feel that I don't want to be, and I just want to throw that mask away. It feels like way too hospital you know? Like I've been in the hospital enough to know that like somebody's coming toward you with one of those things. She's being nervous, you know? <laughs> yeah, Shelly has to wear the, like the, what, N95, uh, like the hardcore PPE. Like the things on the side, the filters and stuff. Well, she has to wear that with a surgical mask on top of it. Double mask? Double mask. I'm like, I can't, she can't breathe. I mean, for 10 hours a day and she comes home and like has the lines like suctioned yeah. on her face. So. What, it's like so, <laughs> I don't want to be like scared or whatever, but like, ooh, it's a little scary. It's a little scary to think about. And then, like, somebody could just sneeze on a doorknob, ruin all your hard work. You know, like, come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, and just so much information is coming out. Like, oh, you know, first it was, well, if you have it, then you can go back to work because you're immune. And then it's like, oh, actually, that's not true, maybe? Yeah, I don't know why they're surprised about, like, oh, we're learning new things about this unprecedented crazy thing. You know, it'd be like going into space and like oh you know like we uh we're learning so much of new things we didn't know before this is amazing yeah i i really hope that uh you know we can figure out a, a vaccine are you are you pro vaccine yeah i mean i never got a flu shot <laughs> but yeah oh yeah of course like uh i if you, you know me one thing i hate is polio <laughs> it's true it's never true. shut up <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you should probably get a vaccine if you can, if it comes around. But you don't get the flu shot? Get the flu shot. No, I never have. I, you know, I don't like needles too much. But no, I never have. And they offer it for free. They keep, like, you can get get it for free. It's no problem. But no, I never got it. But I also don't think I've ever had the flu, which is surprising. I think I've had it, like, two or three times. But, um, but listen to me on advice about taking care of yourself. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and this is an audio thing, but... <laughs> infer from the still picture you know i'm not your doctor yeah um well you know so i, I, I might go back to school for it maybe i will maybe i will be i think you can just get one of those degrees on the internet you can become a doctor yeah that's the one good thing about the world now it's like you don't need any credibility at all you know credibility is out the window so <laughs> I can pretty much, you can be whatever you want it's like the Ameri it's like the old american dream you can be whatever you want and i'm you gonna could, be you could be a teledoc Teledoc. All right. Aside from sports, I know, I don't know if we covered how much you know about baseball. Give me, before we go, I might not know the another, another topic. I want you to give me three random baseball facts. 
that like maybe you and three other dudes in the world know? Baseball facts. I have no idea. Like you can't blindside me with that question. Baseball facts. Just, just. I mean, people ra- think ra- random fun facts about oh, baseball. Lord, this is like the this is where preparation comes in. You don't need to prep. You rat that I'll stuff tell you all some the time. People don't know about like the infield fly rule. That's one that you got to explain to people a lot. Uh, what what, what is the infield fly rule? Uh, the infield fly rule is like whenever um, there's less than two outs and then a pop up on the infield, they uh, call the infield fly rule. So you so it doesn't give the fielder an opportunity to like game the system and drop the ball and then get a force at two bases. You know, whenever he right. only really one out. You know. It's just like prevents like a certain amount of baseball chicanery that apparently before that maybe some unscrupulous players would do. I, who knows? That rule's two, two million years old. I don't know. When did the balk come around? Did the balk start? Uh, I imagine. I have no idea. But if I had to guess, I hate the balk, by the way. I can't stand I just, it. That, I hate the word, first of all, but I also hate the action. Yeah, because it just pops up in like the most inopportune times, and it seems to be the kind of like um, not uniformly understood and enforced or whatever. So, what uh, what is the balk? I guess we need to explain. Well, geez, whenever you're a pitcher, you have to do like a, there's a certain movement that you have to make in a certain direction. You have to move at a certain time, and then the balk is whenever that's disrupted. You know, it's all about repetition, and you have to repeat this thing like as a pitcher. I guess it keeps you from getting uh, less of an advantage when you're on base or when you're someone's on base where you can't just turn around and throw the ball to catch them off base, you know, or so when you start to move your momentum home, you pretty much have to go there. It's such a gray area rule, but like sometimes it's more cut and dried, you know, whenever accidents happen, it's pretty rare, but it's just not, it's not the best base. It's not the most fun play in baseball. They don't call it that. Was, um, Ricky Henderson ever caught by the ball? Ricky Henderson, I mean, Ricky Henderson must have done everything you can do on the baseball field, right? He must have pitched and balked himself, you know, like he <laughs> I would imagine he there was nothing that was left untouched by Ricky Henderson. Yeah. That was Rick, uh, Ricky Henderson, he's he's the man. He still is, yeah. The greatest player. Um all right, so yeah, you. All right, we we did balk infield fly rule. You've got something up in your head that nobody really talks about in baseball. Throw it out there. Just throw out something. Yeah, let me think. I guess that. Um, I mean, this would be an opinion piece, but uh, I would say minor league baseball is like the p- true f- purest form of baseball. Now, would, major league baseball. Major league baseball is like the best game played by the greatest players. But minor league baseball is like the heart, you know. That's just a that's just a gross opinion, you know. But it, it I mean, that's how I grew up. But uh, it seems like a lot of true baseball fans. That's that's where they they're like everybody wants like to go money. to major league. The money is not as much of a factor because like people whining about the money that major league players make doesn't bother me. But like it's just the thing that gets in the way of the game, you know. So minor league players. The money is, you know, not as much of a. I mean, I don't, I'm not a minor league player. I have no idea, but it's so it's not, it's not such a ever pressing issue. And I guess the purity is like there in minor league baseball, like really, especially in AAA baseball. Right before you get to the major leagues, there's like a purity about the game 
but even I would say any like college baseball is similar or single A or whatever rookie league. But minor league baseball is like such a treasure. You know, people should go more to more minor league games. So you said that you're you're not a minor league player. Have you checked? Because I feel that they draft everyone in the entire world at some point, just in case. You know, I think that like this could be just me making this up. I feel like, but like they used to hold like open tryouts or something weird or that was for like independent league. And I'm like, you know, I've got half a mind to go out there and, you know, like totally get handed to me or whatever. I don't know what I think would happen, but like I would get destroyed by more of a, more of a high school baseball player. That was my peak. Well, I think like the NBA, uh, obviously I know more about basketball. They all cities and all teams are required to hold open tryouts um, for their, for their team. And there's some teams like the Orlando Magic who do like a three day camp. But you but have then, to weed out some people, right? You'd be like having eight million people trying to get in there, right? Yeah, like the Lakers, I think it's like 15 minutes or something. I mean, it, I'm being completely serious. Like, there's a 15 minute window that you have to show up at some random place to do a tryout because they. And you like scrimmage like at the Y or something like that? You're like shirts and skins? What a nightmare. Yeah, well, you know, Ben Wallace, who was on the D- Detroit Pistons, uh, won a few titles with them big afro sure, i know ben wallace big, yeah. big ben of course he, he was a walk-on for the orlando magic and that's that's how, what started his career but uh, no i didn't know that well i'm all for the amateur to pro and the amateur yeah everything i guess being an amateur i enjoy the amateur yeah i just think that baseball just drafts everyone because i mean so many people play the game though well, yeah, I don't know. They draft a lot of people. They do. They draft they people who don't even play baseball, though. Like, well, you're talking about they do every now and then. That does happen, I guess. But you're talking about around the world too. You know, it's like that's a lot of people. Yeah, I'm just thinking people. like Peyton Manning was drafted, and sure, I, I think he actually played baseball though. But there, there's like some basketball players and baseball player or football players. Yeah, so many, you know, that have been drafted. But there's like really talented athletes. So you know, Dave Winfield, he played for the the uh, Yankees. This dude got drafted, like, football, basketball, like, and not, like, small schools. This is, like, a uber-human being, Dave Winfield, you know? He got – Tony Gwynn, I think, was drafted uh, in basketball. He played – well, he probably – I think he played basketball in San Diego. He might have – he probably got drafted by the NBA, I would assume. Huh. Well, Bo Jackson did it first, two sports. I I, I bet there's more two-sport athletes, right, besides Brian Bo Jordan. Jackson – don't forget about him in Atlanta, Brian Jordan. When when was that? That was like kind of like the good Braves years in the nineties, but he played for the Falcons and you know, Dion, of course. I was gonna yeah. say Dion Sanders, yeah. But Brian Jordan was one. He uh Dion was Dion's great. He played like on the same day in Crazy during the playoffs. Nuts. Yep. What what happened to him now? He's floating MC Hammer money still. I bet he's like living it up, man. This guy is like got He's because he's so cool too. I guess you see him. Too legit, too legit to quit. He was in the video. Wait, yeah. All right. So besides baseball, what what do you do to stay creative? You're a very creative person. You've always been a very creative person. What do you What do you do with your life? Tell me all about the toys. Tell me all about the DIY oh, art. Sure, DIY art. I'm like, what kind of weird artist I am? I was telling you before. So I'm like the kind of artist that whenever you whenever I die as an old man, hopefully, then they go into the house that looks like pretty crazy from the outside. And then in the inside, it's crazier. The walls are like covered with stuff. And uh, 
they're like, man, this guy made a lot of work, you know, this guy did a lot of stuff. But really he was just uh, building up like the uh, tinfoil insulation around his house, kind of, you know, like the keeping out the bad vibes, you know. Does that work? I actually believe in it like wholeheartedly, I'll be honest. I put stuff all over the walls and I always have, and it keeps out the bad vibe. I don't know how else to say that. It just keeps out like, or keeps in something, you know? It maybe keeps something in. Or I'd say you're a good dude. Maybe you're just keeping it in. Yeah, I'm just this good, selfish dude. You're not <laughs> selfish. You're not selfish. But, you know, like collections, I'm like big on collections and like repetitions. So uh, there's like every kind of collection started here, curated, you know, since we lived on the beach, is like so much beach stuff, like uh, sand dollars and pieces of coral, you know, like all kinds of crazy stuff. So oh, it's I like, thought you were going to say dead bodies because you're no, in Jersey. Never, no, that's a that's a that's a gross uh, that's a mischaracterization. Okay, all right, you just wait. <laughs> well, it's going to happen eventually to everybody, right? What was the question? What was the question we're asking? <laughs> How do you stay creative? How do you stay, what, what are you making? Uh, well, so I said this this, uh, this period is kind of good for me just because like I make everything like kind of small. So I'm like very interested in toys. Like you might know this about me. Very, you know, I love toys and all kinds of toys. The toys that I grew up with, of course, Star Wars toys, E-Man or whatever. Uh, wooden toys people make, you know. So I have been making wooden toys downstairs. Nice. Uh, so I, my question for you is, did you have a grandfather with part of his thumb cut off? I did not have a grandfather, but my dad is missing yeah, half his thumb. You know, but he, he was a woodworking and he cut his part of his finger off. I, my dad was helicopter, but. Uh, well, I guess he doesn't really follow. A few. <laughs> <laughs> my Boy, great did. uncle, on the other hand, missing two fingers. Tractor. For woodworking? Tractor. Oh, a tractor. Well, it's all, this, it's all in the same vein, right? Like those old old world uh skills or whatever so as long as you lose a finger i think you're good so my <laughs> that's, that's healthy my grandfather made toys whenever we were a kid and i loved it so much and he was missing part of his finger from the saw i was just wondering how long you work with a saw before you cut your finger off it's going to happen eventually right eventually I, you know i know some people and i went to grad school with they didn't lose the whole finger but the, they've got like the yeah. big big notch yeah you got to cut part of it off, not the whole thing necessarily. And nowadays you could probably get it sewed back on, right? But uh, I just yeah, assume yeah. that like, what do you got? 20 years, 30 years? Like my grandfather didn't cut his finger off whenever he was in his 80s. He did it like, you know, years old. So I'm kind of waiting around for that to happen. But uh, in the meantime, making toys and doing a lot of sewing, you know. But staying creative is not the easiest thing. I don't so are you, are you modifying action figures? Yes. Well, and also, that, what is that called? What is that called? I don't know what that's called. I mean, there's like a lot of ways people do it. There's like tons of custom action figure people who are like really serious about that game. And then there's a lot of people who are, you know what? Somebody told me a, a term called culture jamming, which I didn't oh, yeah. know really what that was, but it makes sense. Maybe it's just a term that I hadn't heard. And it was just, and it had a lot to do with like, altering things like star wars toys or whatever so i make a lot of like plastic molds and uh, you know rubber molds to to pour plastic into and stuff like that so it's really quite a mess uh, but um you know like kind of like those 
bootleg like DIY toys come out the other end and it's like an amazing genre, you know? Um, they did that a lot with like the Star Wars toys in Mexico or whatever, you know? Uh -huh. like, all kinds of toys really but are all over the world you know and like the super friendo yeah and taking like the exact sculpts and just like making a weird like dirty um you know quick mold out of it and like a toy pops out the other side you know and it's like purest form you know so i'm not much in like a designer toy person but more like toys you can play with you know i'm not like an adult about it and still like child and you just picked up like some absurd collection from from somebody right well, uh, that's another like great joy, which, you know, if you look for toys people really toy hunt pretty hard, you know, and like looking at swap meets or whatever and Goodwill or, you know, wherever you go, like, you know, the fair or whatever to go look for toys. But uh, when somebody like drops off their childhood toys to you, it's like, what an amazing feeling. But yes, this guy had like every He-Man ever. So it's been pretty thrilling <laughs> to look at all these things and like, just the magnificence of like toy after toy after toy. It's very exciting. Have and you like seen? Being, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad you got those toys. Then, so what? What's your process? Do you inventory them? Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you just know? No, like it's uh, there. I mean, there's my basement is filled with just like boxes and boxes, tubs of like toys and different, you know, broken toys and like other people's toys and like all kinds of toys, every kind of toy. Uh, no, there's no inventory. Like one. Like, if you even got started with that, I feel like that would be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to become of all those things. I just love them so much, and I'm, like, keeping them close to me, I guess. I'm not trying to sell them or anything. But, um, you know, we did, me and the wife, like, just, like, looked at every one of them. They're sitting out on the table forever. They're still, like, behind me here, you know. So they just, like, are the next thing just to be all over the place, you know. It's fantastic. I love it. Have you seen the um... – WWE toys that they made with the Masters of the Universe molds. Yeah, with like that kind of muscular body style. Yeah, they're using the original molds from Masters of the Universe to make WWE. There's so many, and like you can look forever, and you always come across like different stuff. Uh, there's so many good like independent toy making, and that's not even counting like Japanese like Safui vinyl toys, which are like incredible, like so amazing, but. And they're, you know, you have to be like manufactured. That's a crazy process, you know, but man, there's so many people making toys. It's like a good scene. It's a good scene. It's a good art scene. You know, if you like, like that sort of thing. Oh yeah. No, it totally seems, uh, you know, I, I threw around the, the word outsider art, but it's becoming more mainstream every day. Yeah. And it's weird because like, um, you know, I'm just doing the same thing that me and my brother did when we wrote young, you know, like cutting things up or whenever you realize you could take a GI Joe apart with like a screw in the back and like rearrange his arms and legs and stuff. Like what a revelation, you know, and it's still continues to be or whatever. Uh, but I'm just doing the same thing. So I guess I'm not doing it like commercially a lot, you know, I'll make right. like editions of things like, and never get rid of them or whatever, <laughs> or like eventually give a couple away. I mean, like, why did I make 10 of these? I wasn't like, you know, you know, part, why, part of the process, right? Yeah, so I'm like kind of like a pseudo artist in that way of like making work that's like, I don't even want anybody to see it or something. Like I don't post like many pictures of this stuff. Like I was making like, I don't know why, I guess I'm just, a, I was making like clothes for Star Wars figures, you know, like small, like scale, like uh, coats or hats or whatever, you know, like just, just like 
as makes like time or whatever. But uh, so I end up with like a huge like storehouse of this stuff, but like for no real reason, like nobody's I'm not trying to show it to anybody or like nobody's <laughs> trying to be impressed. No, not yet. You're going to have a show with all these toys one day. You might be dead, but well, I could, have a, show. I could have a show with toys that I made, but I could definitely open a toy store right now. Like I would have a killer inventory. Well, I think commercial property is about to be real cheap, so. I wouldn't want to sell them. I wouldn't want to sell anything. I'd be the worst toy salesman ever. Like, like, I would just uh, want to exist. So then you had the sign that says, like, bring in your old toys. <laughs> you used to buy. I'd be a, opening a store to be a toy buyer. And, like, they wouldn't even have, like, a door, probably. The place would have a door. Right. Just be a toy hole, you know, and it would be called the toy hole. <laughs> and you would throw your toys in it. I I support this wholeheartedly. Uh, well, what's your favorite action figure of all time? Oh, uh, my favorite action figure of all time. I'll say. What would be on the logo of the toy hole? What action figure? You know, I've seen that a lot as like a graphic design element because a lot of the graphic design like really crosses over heavily into the toy thing because you have to like make card backs. Oh yeah. And you know, like maybe make your own logo and have a million stickers of your logo, which I do not have. A logo for the I can't toy hole. For the like toy hole. Toy hole, and it's just like a big black dot. You know, that's like, <laughs> is that logo taken? <laughs> is now copyright. Black circle. That's perfect. That would work for me. Oh, uh, my favorite toy though, I think, is uh, a Star Wars figure, Hammerhead. You know that one? Yeah. And those, because the Star Wars toys, like I could talk about it forever, but they were so well, lovingly sculpted. It's amazing. And so him and uh, Bosk, you know that one? That's another uh -huh. one. He was like a bounty hunter with Boba Fett. Yep. So that's you got. C-3PO with the removable um, where he comes apart and he's got the little net that the goes net, on Chewbacca's back. To carry him around, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. That was from Empire when he got taken apart in Cloud City. Yep. That's, sure, that's like that. That's a hard one to come across sometimes because removable parts, you know? I've got all mine with the parts and the net. Net me is too, still me attached. Me too. So, um, my 401k, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Um, a, there's a website called StockX, which like sells shoes and, and clothing and stuff. And they have a little, uh, like an app where you can track the shoes you own. And so I started putting in all my Jordans and they give you a price for what they're worth yeah and i i might retire tomorrow i but then you'd have to get rid of the jordans you can't they won't just pay for them to exist you know like i have true. that remember that old pair of jordans i still have yes original og original. ones and i've worn them like a handful of times every time somebody says something great about it uh i don't i wouldn't get rid of them i, I couldn't do it wouldn't do it I might so, give them one. I would give them to a guy like you, but I uh, wouldn't look on eBay and try to sell them. I don't think the the bottoms are still on, right? Like they didn't. They yeah, didn't, they're in great shape. They're like frozen in time. Total Captain America. Just yeah, like those are eighty five, nineteen eighty five Jordan ones. Those yeah, things are probably yeah. worth. I probably don't want to tell you. They got the original laces in them. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're fantastic. And they look cool. I, I remember the day that we found them, and I was. I don't even wear them because my size. cooler needs to wear them. They were my size. It was like a total um, ruby slipper situation. But uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm cool enough to wear them. Plus, I don't like to get a lot of like comments. You know, 
it good or for good or ill or I don't like ill comments, but I'll take no comments. No comments. <laughs> so your childhood has definitely influenced your whole life. I think you might I'm still trying to, I'm like holding on to it, I guess, you know, like I've got to uh, put myself in a position to, to keep, like keep doing all the things that I enjoyed to do when I was a child, I guess, watch baseball, play baseball and play with toys a lot and uh, make stuff still get to do all those things like at its base that's like that's like what you want to do right i think i don't know what's the is there a loftier aspiration no i think that's perfect I, do you pay bills that's my question yeah but even that has become so easy where you can just kind of set it and forget it you know you like have to look at it every now and then but like you remember the balance in your checkbook day is like maybe people still do that i don't know <laughs> i look at it sometimes but like you know your mortgage gets paid and through the internet and uh it seems like a little bit of a tenuous, like you can look in your account and all your money's gone and like somebody ran off with it or something because it's just theoretical, but this is built for me. You don't ever have to talk to anybody. You it's know, true. Right. I, I'm really happy with the pandemic and I've mentioned this on a few podcasts. I'm really happy that like Uber Eats has done um, uh, contactless delivery where they just put it on your front porch and send you a picture like your food's there and you don't have to to interact with anyone i try to feel good about that stuff too but it's hard but you know what I, I say that about the interaction but i do miss it it's hard it pains me to say like i miss going to work and seeing the people you know and like miss certain things about it but i just want to be so selective about it that it's it's tough yeah i think this i wouldn't i can't say much about the pandemic other than like what it's like it's given me an opportunity to think about, like you can't live your life right now. So it's like, give me a think about how, give me an opportunity to think about how you want to live your life a little bit, whenever life can resume and like how, how you want to go forward, like how, what kind of work you want to make, how you want to like support it or whatever, you know? What's, what's the first thing you're, you're going out and doing when you get the all clear? Is there anything that you're like, I want an ice cream cone from, um, uh, no, I mean, I guess the first thing I'd want to do is just, you know, uh, they canceled. So me, we go to this every year, a blueberry festival. It's very okay. Tennessee, but it's up here. It's like in the middle of nowhere. It's like the best thing ever, you know, and they have like the best lemonade you could ever drink in your life. And so like, that's the kind of thing I'm getting. Like, I mean, that's can't be much of a complaint or whatever, but that's the kind of thing I'm like missing pretty hardcore. So I hope to do that sort of thing again and go to the beach and go swimming without worrying too much like being a little bit more carefree i was doing so good with like my developing carefree attitude and this kind of like put the kibosh on that a little bit you know so it like set me back a little bit so i feel like i'm gonna have to like get a running start to like kind of get back up to where i was because it was already like a work in progress you know okay like, early yeah no i get it i get it i'm Let movie movie theater i'm i'm ready for the movie theater to be open or open to where um open to where i will want to go yeah i love the movie theater too i love it and we try to go every now and then but it's also like a little bit of a harrowing experience because of like just the news and like there's something about being around other people that's like unnerving you know the theater thing which is because of just like gun violence or whatever and it's a 
weird thing to worry about, I guess, but that worry like kind of just is kind of floating there somewhere. It just seems to be all stacked on top. I feel like I haven't gone to the movies and not like had some worry in a quite a long time, I think. Yeah, well, you know, I think it, probably eight years ago within a couple days is the Aurora Batman uh, right, shooting. Yeah. And that was like when I moved to Colorado. Uh, and to me, it feels like that was like last year or something like that. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, I've been here eight years and it does not feel like that. Um, but, you know, you've been to the movies with me probably 30, 40, 50, 700 times. A lot of times. Um, yeah, I mean, I that that's my church. That's where I go and just escape was at the movie theater. And then it obviously after the, you know, the the Aurora theater shooting um, kind of dropped me back into, all right, I've got to figure out how this, how I navigate this and then now they're just closed like yeah and i'm not sure i'm going to go back when they open up because i don't think they know how to do that yeah it was kind of weird you know what the saddest part of it is about the movie theater like we were trying to go and it closed down because of this and other reasons i guess but like they had like the discount movie theater you know like the second run but it was like ah this place was great man they were <laughs> Like you would go in there, there'd be like less seats every time and someone would be like ripped out, you know, like maintenance was like out the window. And then like the soda machine would be broken. They'd be like filling up your cup from like a two liter. It was great. Oh, yes. Didn't answer the phone, rarely changed the posters on the inside. I mean, it was great. This place was fantastic and you know, it couldn't last forever. And it was like a cheaper movie, you know, uh, man. And, but it went under and it's sad. And it made me want to open like, cause the, you know, you used to have like a dollar movie theater. And so I don't know how that's business model it makes no sense but uh that like do, that's gonna like kill the death knell for those things which well, is like a total shame the, um i don't think they you know, most movie theaters don't make anything on the actual ticket prices like, it's the popcorn it's the popcorn like i think i don't know the exact figure but i think you pay a 12 dollars for a ticket the movie theater actually makes like 20 cents on it same thing with a gas station. You, yeah, you go buy gas at a gas station, you're, I think the gas station makes like one cent a gallon or a half a cent a gallon. Like, it's to get you in. Like, the money at the gas station is the convenience store part, right? Like, the Cheetos sure. that you buy. or the. Well, is it a sucker? Is getting the popcorn and a soda a sucker's bet? Because I do it. Yeah, I, I always do that. Well, well, it's very hard for like the no waste lifestyle, which is kind of like what we uh, aspire to. So you have to ask them not to give you like a straw and a lid. So you're really tempting fate by spilling that thing on the way to your seat. But uh, the, the, the integrity of the cups, they've gone good. downhill because they tried to they tried to do the recycled paper. Yes. So, but though, mm, even be very careful. Yeah. Yeah, and you and can't get ninety gallons and get that giant one. You know, it's way too big. Yep. You got to get the smaller, the medium. But I—that's uh, me. Sucker's game. I'll get the soda and the popcorn, no problem. Sometimes I go nachos, raisinets. And nothing that makes noise to me, you know. <laughs> nothing that makes noise. Okay. Even popcorn, I'm like, should be banned. <laughs> you should ban popcorn. Most people finish their popcorn before the movie even starts. So yeah, that's happened a lot, I guess. Yeah, we go to the Alamo Draft House, um, and we have like full meals. You know, like I'll get a pizza or 
or yeah, like onion rings or something. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, no, really that's good like food. way too fancy. We're more like, Oh, we had to find two seats that exist close together, you know, like, so, uh, like these are ripped out by uh, a <laughs> backhoe or something like that, you know, <laughs> or like, let's like step around that mysterious, like liquid dripping there, and, like not sit there. That's yeah. the kind of experience I'm looking at. You know, I, no exit signs work you know like that's the key you go in there like the light you know they need to be busted and you have to every time that like they don't turn the lights off for the previous somebody's got to get up and go out and like oh yeah that sort of thing that's that's experience that i'm after you know i used to crave that um and then we went and saw um the dark knight the second one um of the uh the dark knight trilogy when we moved to tampa so 12 years ago um Shelly and I went and there was um, some kids talking in the movie theater and I have a problem with loud talking in a movie theater. It's like yeah, a four, four like o'clock the show. Yeah. Saving. And, and so I was like, I'm going to say something. Shelly's like, no, no, I'll go, I'll go handle it. I'll go tell the manager. And so she walks out uh, to go to the restroom and, and tell somebody. And then one of their cell phones ring and they answer it and this is like during the movie not the, the previews like during the movie and it's like theater seating and i'm like not in the front but like you know a good ways towards the front and they're in the very back row and i was really angry and i marched up there and i made them hang up the phone and then i kicked them out of the movie theater let's be honest i didn't work there but they they left <laughs> got that level of authority I know I was I was mad. Anyone on anything ever? I never confronted one person on anything ever. <laughs> you should make you feel better. Never happened. Or you'll be talking about it twelve years later. All right, so we're gonna finish this up, but we're gonna do speed round. So okay. normally we ask our audience to submit questions, which they can do at any time by emailing remotelycreative at rimcad.edu. But for the first time, because Chris Johnson is an overachiever, he submitted his own questions. And this I assume nobody fun. submitted any questions about me. Nobody knows who I am. Nope. Mm. By design. Yeah, we we've we've got your questions. So I'm gonna gonna throw these out real quick. Thirty second answers on all of them. Doom scrolling. What's that about? You kind of mentioned it. Oh, we talked about doom scrolling. That's another thing I um I learned about that was had a name, you know. And I guess I was already doing it. Just like flipping through the news constantly. I do it every day, all the time. And I have to like- Like on your phone. You're just like flipping through on your phone. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And it's a constant feed of like bad news, bad news, bad, I guess, depending on what side you're on, but the bad news all the time. Peppered in with a little good news, which almost makes you feel worse about the bad news, you know, like in a weird way, it's supposed to be uplifting, but propensity to doom scrolling. Yeah. I like the name. It should be a band. We should start a band. The word cool anyway so yeah. definitely i was proud to know i was already doing that <laughs> all right candy and things that look like candy what are your thoughts oh uh so i guess the things that i make i always have candy in my mind because of the colors and like the i guess um surfaceness of it or whatever you know like the, you like the gummy like, like the gummy texture yes so Sour Patch Kids is like the, that's it. Like I could just. So your favorite it. candy? Yeah. Give me that's Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Is that what you've been eating the whole podcast? Sour Patch Kids? Yeah. Well, I found a place that will, you know, during this, talk about 
important things to do during the virus lockdown is find a place that will get bulk candy for you and patron them, stick to them, and don't let them go out of business, you know? So find somewhere that does. I'm not talking about just any Sour Candy, but Sour Patch Kids. Have you seen the Sour Patch Kids cereal? Yeah, you know, I, uh, my few Instagram, one of my few Instagram posts was about that, and I saw it at the grocery store. blew my mind. I was very excited about did it. Did you purchase it? Eventually, not then, but eventually did, because I think it was on sale. And I, just, I don't like milk that much. Yeah. Especially like cow milk, I guess, but uh, I just ate it like dry. <laughs> it was awesome. I was totally stoked about it. You should and make the Rice Krispie squares. Oh my God. What a great idea. The Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, like a ball, you know, like a. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, those things were crazy delicious. I would endorse, I am endorsing that actually right now. So if right. they want to throw any money my way. Get sponsored by Sour Patch Kids, the yeah, cereal. Cereal, yeah. Um, so speaking of colors, you used to be anti-color, and now you're in. You're pro color. Oh, I'm fully on board. I credit you with that a little bit. I feel like you like the, like I never liked the color pink. Maybe it was like me being like, gendery or whatever. But it was always black and gray for me, of course, because you know, cool or whatever, but, uh, no, I'm fully on board. You know what my favorite color now is like a, like a powder blue. I like powder blue. Powder blue. Uh, what an easy, like fun, enjoyable, you know, All right. I'm okay, but I'm like a big powder blue, yellow. Give me like those Easter colors. I, I like you with color now in your life. Yeah. I came around to it like late. I feel like, but I'm all about it. It's all right. Most people regress. Most people like colors when they're a kid, and then they go to just black and like. I in my whole house, I paint everything gray. Like gray is the color I go to, but then I have to have like bright colors with that. So. Yeah, I, like I end up neutralness. Like, I don't wear a lot of crazy colors that much, but like, I definitely like to make things that are crazy colored. So, I'm not much of a peacock, you know. But uh. Mostly because it's just like a, you know, look at me kind of thing. But, man. Oh. All right. Somebody's calling and being annoying. Um, that's all right. Um, so how much should you laugh in a day and at what? Oh, uh, yeah. This is something we were talking about, too. So this is an important thing to think about in quarantine because it's hard to find things that are very funny. So you should laugh. Probably like serious laugh at least once a day. Like something is genuinely funny, and and it would need to be like good natured, like a good natured thing, like not making fun of somebody. I guess you so should never funny. make something like a week where I'm just like, man, like nothing was funny this week. Like couldn't find anything funny or enjoyable like that, which is like a real, you know, like a problem for me, I guess. But uh, sometimes you have to seek it out a little bit. But yeah, you should try to like try to laugh a little bit more. That's what I found in this quarantine. It's like the laughs aren't always there. <laughs> the laughs aren't always there. So you should try to like, you know. You, you have to seek out the laughter. Don't let it pass by at least. And don't be so like, don't be so gloomy, you know, even though everything's gloomy. Don't, you know, try to get it in there because it'll drive you nuts. All right. I'm, I'm with that. Um, let's, let's, I like it. Let's talk about pets, but you don't refer to them as pets. Tell me. 
tell me your thoughts on pets and 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 where you go with that oh my pets are uh, they're all referred to by name generally i mean i guess i have to acknowledge that they're like my charges or whatever and i'm not like they're not my children you know like they're more like my peers i guess you know so they're my peers they're <laughs> my, peer, like, my peer group business associates is you ever go on trial are they the ones who are going to uh be up there the jury jury of your peers hope not i think that would go bad they see a lot way too much of me i guess but you know i try to think about them as um i don't have i don't have children so it's like it's hard for me to even say you know they're just my friends you know like my close friends like i've had this one close friend and he's like 16 years old you know that's a that's pretty long time so tom tom yeah he can't he became he was in clarksville yeah I remember Tom. Like in 2005 or something, maybe he showed up on the scene. Good, good pets. How many, how many cats do you have now? We have, we have three cats now, but we had, we had five. And the optimal number seems to be four. I'm a three pet household, so I have a three pet limit. Three is a good number. Like three is good, is good, but four was like ideal just because of how they work together. But if they didn't, you know, maybe they were antagonistic, it wouldn't be as good. But I like an even four, but three I'll take. We have three now, so I'm cool with that. All right. That's, I, I'm, a, I'm a three. Three is, three is where we stick. And I'm not like a dog guy, and I don't like it. There's no, there's no uh, birds or lizards or anything like that. You Cats did all. have a squirrel, though. Yep. We had a, uh, I had a squirrel for a little while. There's some good pictures of me in that squirrel. Ricky? A minor league baseball game. His name was Ricky. And he was named after Ricky Weeks, who was playing for the playing baseball for the Nashville Sounds at the time. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty rewarding. I've looked into being like a squirrel rehabber. I think that's a good thing to do whenever you get to be like 65, like a good crazy old person thing to do. I mean, you you uh, I very much enjoyed seeing you interact with the squirrel, the baby when he was a baby, like was embryo. Himself. He was like a yeah, little he, embryo call him a pinky okay he's got, they, they couldn't even tell what it was they were like is that a dog it was a squirrel right. yeah no he was he was awesome and then you just let him go and i thought that was like the most rewarding thing ever just like yeah well, well it was like stages you know it was stages i built him like a cage and then like put the cage by the window open the window he would go in and out and then he eventually just wanted to go out he made his own family i assume uh, i would hope so and he remembers you fondly, and he will come to save you. One it is. I do realize that it was hard to, um, like, you think you could recognize your squirrel, but you can't. <laughs> like, you didn't, he'd you didn't have to mark have him? Some, he'd have to have some, like, real characteristic, like a scar <laughs> over his eye or something. You know, you'd have to really, but he looks pretty much like every other squirrel. So he, uh, I like to think I loved him enough where I could recognize him, but it's just not in the cards for the human being, I don't think. You got him an eye patch. I don't know if he would have worn it. But, you had to do something. I mean, yeah, I don't think it could be cosmetic. It would have to be like something permanent. Like he'd have to have like a like a yellow stripe on him or something like that. You know, you'd have to really. And that's like like Pepe Le Pew and his girlfriend. He was a skunk. Was just, he was a skunk, but she was just a cat with a white stripe. His girlfriend was a cat. She got like a stripe painted on her, and then she was. Uh, yeah, we probably should not talk about that. I don't think they show those cartoons anymore because that's no, it's a good Dave Chappelle bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, tell us about the time your mom crossed the line at the MoMA. 
Oh yeah, that's like the favorite thing to say. Uh, so this is the good art story, I think, or like an art moral, whatever you would call this. This is like what's important about art, I guess. My mom came to visit me in New York. We go to the MoMA all the time, or I would go. And then, so I took her there. I was pretty excited. She never seen anything like that. You know, like there's tons of crazy stuff there. And they had the big Jackson Pollock. It was in the lobby. I think it was the one, in, it was in the lobby at the time, huge, you know. And then she just, you know, she uh, was like, a, she's not, not like an art appreciator necessarily, but she just likes cool things. And she just like walked up and like touched it with her hand, you know, and then, like everybody kind of like freaked out a little bit, but she didn't like mean anything by it. I don't, you know, she didn't, she just, just like a very. There's a lot of texture going on there. Probably a cigarette yeah, butts. And and... Like a cigarette butts, a key or something was in there. And she just was like, she didn't think much of it other than to, you know, a very natural response, you know, which I would hope that Jackson Pollock would uh, appreciate or I would assume or hope. Ed, I don't think about him. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't, but. Ed Harris. Innocent, you know, like. Ed Harris played Jackson you know, Pollock. That's all I know. Yeah, Ed Harris. He was there, which was weird. <laughs> he was, my, that's my father. <laughs> I didn't want to say, but Ed Harris is my dad. No, my mom. My mom touched that Jackson Pollock. I've never been prouder of anyone in my life. I know. I mean, I think that's just like, that's uh, the response is proper. Like that's what purity in it, what the purity in it struck me. And I was like, Oh man, we should all be so cool. Not like the guy who's like smashing up the Duchamp journal or whatever, you know, like that, it's a little bit more, it's like a little more like, you know, like destructive or whatever, but something a little more pure, like where you're interacting with things. So she like got to touch like this crazy, you know, how much does a Jackson Pollock cost? Probably a pretty penny, right? I think they're twelve twelve ninety nine right now. Yeah, and they're not even on sale, you know, like so. <laughs> I think everything's uh, really just taking well, a tank. It's gonna get a prince. Oh, everything's gonna tank. No, everything's gonna go the other way. It's gonna be too expensive to live. Oh yeah, my mom. So a good shout out to my mom at the end. She's a great lady. Yeah, your mom's a very nice lady. She drove us to the airport once. I I remember that. It was very. Oh nice. yeah, that sounds like her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Chris, thank you so much for taking the yeah. time. I know it's way past your bedtime you're ready to go to bed oh, yeah it's okay no dream of toys i always do so um i i hope uh castle gray skull behind you and it's hey, doing good snake mountain man snake mountain sorry sorry all right i know you have castle gray skull oh yeah no yeah it's over here <laughs> just out of the frame yeah it's out of the frame so um I hope when the baseball season starts back up, you start getting to watch baseball and get to edit baseball all day, every day. This is me smacking my hands together and rubbing them in like a <laughs> anticipated, exciting way. I know. Not too much longer. Not too much longer. Oh, yeah. Let's play. So do you want to take any predictions on how long until sports get shut down? Oh, I don't even want to say. I hope baseball never gets shut down. Okay. All right. I have Never. a feeling basketball like, is going to last six games. I don't know. I think it'll be surprising and it'll go on, I think. You think so? You think it's going to be weird. There's going to be some weird hiccups, but hopefully it'll just get handled in like in a weird, you know, in like a sensible way. And I think it'll go, you know, I'm excited. All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you about baseball. You'll come up with all the baseball facts and you'll yeah, tell yeah. me. Oh, yeah. You hit me. You'll have blindsided me with that one. I will come up with some baseball facts. You've got them. You've told them to me before. Yeah, they're in there. You know, they're in there. I caught you off guard. Well, Chris, thank you. Always a good time to talk to you. I hope uh, people learn something about you. Uh, good luck with that, everybody. <laughs>
Okay. I need further clarification. Like, let me know. Yeah, shout out your uh, Instagram. You have Instagram. You're on there. Oh, you know, I don't have much of a social media uh, uh, profile. I am controlling my image, I guess. Uh, yeah, you can befriend me if you like on Instagram. That's the only thing I use, and it seems like what, it's a thing. What's your What's your username? My username is A N L I G H T. So go on there and friend me. It's not a private profile, and. Uh, honestly not you, interesting but like please there's cool stuff on there though yeah i like to interact on there it's like a good interact like a distant interact <laughs> i'll put a couple of hearts on your picture you know or uh yeah. the eyeballs with like the little diamond you know i'll do that yep i'm, I'm with it i'm with okay. it awesome well thank you chris i will yep. talk to you soon thank you sir Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Remember, you can find links and images from today's guest on our website, remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. And don't forget to submit your questions for us by emailing remotelycreative at remcad.edu. That's R-M-C-A-D dot E-D-U. Make sure to subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.